You are listening to The Catholic Wire. Welcome to a new episode of The Spiritual Life. This is your host, Father Carlos Apeda, and you are listening or watching The Catholic Wire. Now, before we continue with the show, I want to show you something that uh, teenagers out there might think is really cool. Check this out. That's pure technology right there. Okay, and this sounds a lot better. Today, we're going to discuss four different things. First, we're going to discuss why spiritual reading is so important to us. You know, why do you want to do it? Then we're going to discuss what are the benefits that you derive from it. We're going to discuss as well the different kinds of books that you ought to read because there are different categories, you could say. And finally, we're going to discuss what is the proper way of reading because to read a spiritual book is not just like reading any novel. You actually have to have a, special, uh, uh, a particular way in which you ought to read it. So let's begin first by saying that spiritual reading is one of the things that is most neglected in spiritual life. Uh, that includes even sometimes people that are consecrated to God. It includes uh, priests and sisters, perhaps, or brothers. And uh, the reasons for that are many. And, and I speak this with all humility, uh, because the truth is, the reason why I say that is basing it on myself. I, at least at times, know I have neglected my daily spiritual reading. I don't think there has been a time where I've ever stopped completely reading, but I certainly have neglected the time that I use for it or the kind of books that I choose to read. The reason for this neglect uh, is there can be many of them. One of them is the obvious, the lack of time. You know, especially if you're a, a housewife or a, or a husband or if you're a priest or, or a teaching sister, it will be hard sometimes to find the time to do spiritual reading especially if for some reason you are not able to keep a schedule. And that brings us to the second point, why people neglect spiritual reading, which is not having a schedule. As we will mention, and we, will, uh, we have mentioned in the past, uh, we do have to have a certain schedule, meaning at least a, a list of things that I need to do every day, and especially in my spiritual life. What are the practices that I want to get done every day? And if I don't have that schedule, or schedule, as the English would say, then I won't be able to keep track of them. And obviously, spiritual reading is one of them that I'm going to be missing. The third uh, reason why we neglect it is actually fairly frequent, and is the idea that I don't need it. That I've read already so many books, that I have been in this so long, and so because I know all these things, I don't really need to make the time to read them again, or to read different things. It is true that many times we've read a book and there's no need to read it again, uh, but we will, as we will see, this is actually something that is uh, misunderstood, because you are not reading to learn new things. You are reading to remind you of the things that you already know and to keep them more alive. And so first, 
let's try to convince you of the fact that you do need to do a spiritual reading as much as possible. They say that you are what you eat, right? If you, for example, eat the example that I always give, if you eat uh, junk food, you will feel like that. Your body will have those things. You will be that. The same thing applies to your mind. You will do, you will think, you will crave all those things that you have been filling your mind with. Imagine as it were your mind as a clean board, you know, a clean wooden board. And every time that you see something or that you hear something or that you take pleasure in something, this is something that is engraved like wood burned into the wood. Now, if you have been seeing movies and videos on YouTube and Facebook and gossip and listening to bad music and playing video games and shooting people in, in you know, whatever the name, the name of the game is, the Call of Duty, maybe, it's, whatever it is, you will not be able to put much money in, in your mind. Those are the things that you will have in your mind and that's what's going to come out. You know, our Lord says, from the abundance of the heart speaks, the mouth speaks. And so the same thing applies for everything in your life. All those things that you have been feeling in your mind are engraved in your soul and in your mind. But what's even worse, I say that it's a board, I don't say that it's a paper or a file in the computer, because it actually is engraved in your mind. Meaning it takes a lot of effort to erase those things, to get rid of those memories, to get rid of those impressions, of those pleasures, of all those things that you had. If you have a board and you want to make it clean again, you'll have to sand it, you'll have to put a, you know, a scraper through it, you have to put uh, the scraper liquid and all that stuff. In the Carmelites, we used to do this a lot, and we would grab a little piece of glass, and we would be scraping it with the glass, and pieces of glass would be blowing all over the place, by the way. And so it takes a lot of effort to clean this up, to bring it back to a, to a clean slate. And so... This is precisely what you do with spiritual reading. You start filling your mind with good things, clearing it up of the other bad things, and that process, little by little, is what makes uh, your mind purify and tend to more spiritual things, tend to better things, to the things that are leading to God. This is, as as we will say, very important, because as you fill your mind with these good things, they will come up. When you have to do a good action, they will come up. When you have a temptation, these things will be present and they will come up. And then not only it will be your mind, but your actions will also be modified. So spiritual reading is then very, very necessary to clean your mind of all the bad things and fill it with the good things. Before we continue with our episode, we will go to the stories of the saints. Well, and today for our stories of the saints, I have to say I'm quite glad that we are not changing back in time. You know, this is not three months later or before. Uh, This is right now that I'm recording them because now I know that I have to do this. And today for our story of the saints, we have a story from St. Teresa of Avila. As usual, you will say, Father, please read other books. Come on, you're talking to us about spiritual reading. Read other books of the saints. There are many others, I know, but uh, I want to bring her up. See, I couldn't bring St. Francis, because St. Francis actually was 
somewhat uh, opposed to his religious having good books because, I, I shouldn't say that, but he was opposed to his religious owning books because he was very, very adamant about poverty. And so he actually had controversy with people about the fact that they wanted to own books. And he said, no, you can't. Anyways, our story of the today of St. Teresa, uh, we're going to speak a little bit about her character with this and what happened to her. As I said before, she actually struggled a lot to do mental prayer. She struggled a lot to do meditation. A lot. I mentioned that she would be counting the ticks of the clock. And she said that every time that she went to say a prayer, or meditation I should say, she would bring a spiritual book with her. Not many, but there were a few that she had that she kept them and she would bring it, bring it with her. Uh, there was one particular one that she liked a lot, which was called the the Abecedary uh, by Osuna, and it was basically a book about recollection. Um, now, St. Teresa said, I would always bring a book with me to prayer, and I could not fathom. I, I would never be able to come to prayer without a book. She would be afraid of going to prayer without a book, because she would get distracted so easily. And so she would go to prayer, open the book, and start reading a little bit, and then pray about it. And sometimes she wouldn't even need to do anything. She would just bring the book with her, but that was good enough. She was very, very fond of books. From the moment she was young, she, she read a lot. Her mother was very sickly. And, and her mother would be reading books of uh, chivalry, which was basically tantamount to soap operas in our day, or movies. And St. Teresa loved these things. You know, from the moment she was a child, she would read all these books and just devour them. She said she couldn't wait for the next one to come, which reminds me of the young, young people today that can wait for the next movie to come out. That was kind of her. But that got her into the habit of reading. And when she became a religious, she obviously switched that now to spiritual books, and she would read spiritual books very eagerly. The thing happened that at the time, it was precisely at the time where Lutheranism and Protestantism was rising all around in Europe, and Spain was a very Catholic country, and Spain took a very strong reaction against Protestantism, because Protestantism at that time started spreading like a pandemic, basically. It, they just started here in Grumors, it's going now to Germany, now it's going to France, now it's in Italy here and there, in Spain there were people that were trying to introduce it. So immediately the government actually jumped in and the church jumped in and they said, no, we got to stop this right now from the get-go and for now we're going to do a radical, a radical prohibition to stop it so that it doesn't come here to Spain. And so they ended up forbidding actually many books that were even good but at, at the time, it was more of a preventive measure. It was sort of a way of saying, we're going to forbid all these things right now. Later on, we'll figure out what we can allow and not. But right now, as of this moment, everything, all of this stuff is forbidden. They forbade particularly the books that explained scripture in, in Spanish, in the vernacular. And they forbade some other spiritual books that they wanted to analyze better to see if they were actually in line with Protestantism or not. Now... To clarify here, there is the, the criticism that the church has always forbid uh, the reading of sacred scripture. That is not the case. That is not true. They forbid the vernacular because of the risk of mistranslation, because of what Protestantism was doing. But actually, at that time, most people uh, knew Latin or some Latin, 
and scripture was taught in the cathedral churches. But anyways, many books were forbidden. And for St. Teresa, this was devastating. She came to the convent one day, to the, uh, the chapter, they call it, where all the nuns get together. And the mother superior said, well, from now on, I'm going to read this list of books that are forbidden. And if you have any of these books, you have to deliver them. And she read this long list. And many of those books were actually some of St. Teresa's favorite ones. For her, that was devastating. And she went back to her cell, you know, to her room, very upset about it. But then, uh, long story short, our Lord appeared to her and he said to her, don't worry, I will be your book. And so St. Teresa supplied the lack of those books with meditation, with prayer. That is our story, our story of the saints for today. Now we will continue with our episode. Now I would like to speak to you about the benefits that come from spiritual reading. The first one will be this. Spiritual reading makes your faith alive. I've mentioned the same thing about prayer, but this is different though. Because here's the thing, prayer, whether you want it or not, a lot of it comes from your mind, from the limitations that you might have, the ideas that you might have. With spiritual reading, you have the benefit and that's why it's so necessary, that there's someone else telling you these things. It's their ideas, their meditation, and obviously the Holy Ghost talking to you through them. And that's how it makes your faith alive. St. Ambrose tells us, when you pray, you speak to God. When you do spiritual reading, God speaks to you. Because here's the thing, you believe in the truths of the faith, even, uh, uh, you know, you believe in hell, you believe in heaven, you believe in our Lord dying on the cross. But even though you believe in them, you can forget about them very easily. And actually, most of the time, we forget about them. And that's why it's so easy, for example, to fall into a sin of torpitude or impurity for some people, or gossip or despair. Uh, it is so easy to be slothful when we go to, when we go to Mass. It is so easy to neglect my prayers because I believe these things of the faith, but I forget about them. It's very easy for them to just be, boop, go out of my brain. As that board, I haven't engraved them deep enough. But now imagine that you have like a little guy, you know, like Pinocchio had that little cricket thing. Imagine that you had a little guy reminding you all day of how terrible, say, hell is. That you had a guy telling you, hey, this is how the smoke smells, and this is how you hear the cries, and this is the cries that you, you know, the, the noise that you hear in there. This is the fire, how it feels, and this is how bad it burns, and this is where you will be trapped, and you won't be able to move. And that, that you had someone telling you all those things, all the time, all the day. What would happen if at the end of the day someone comes and tells you, would you like to go to Mass today? You'd say, yes, of course, I need to. I don't want to go to hell, because the truths of the faith would be very much alive in your heart. Or if someone came at the end of the day and said, hey, do you want to go to this nightclub or to this bad place or whatever? You'd say, no, no, forget about it. Are you kidding me? I've been hearing about hell all day. I don't want to go anywhere near that. That's how we would react. And that's what happens with spiritual reading. All these realities of the faith are brought to you and you're, you're reminded of them in forceful ways, with different words, from a different person, from a different perspective. And that makes it all the more powerful. 
The other advantage that you get from spiritual reading is that it gives you good company. You say, they say that, you know, there's a saying in Spanish, tell me with whom you hang out and I will tell you who you are. And that is actually very true. You become uh, sort of like the people that you hang out with. Now, in our day and age, in this world, it is really hard to become a saint when everyone else in the outside world seems to be bent on doing exactly the opposite. The fact is that if you want to become a saint, not only that, if you want to save your soul, let's put, let's put it like that, if you really want to save your soul, you need good influence, you need good friends, you need people to have your back, to cover up for you, to help you out. And the best friends that you can find are actually the saints. Through their letters, their lives, their good examples, all these things that you see from them, you're seeing other humans with the same faults, with the same miseries, sometimes with the same sins, getting out of them and doing great things and coming to know God and all the good things that happen to them. So really, when you do a spiritual reading in the proper way and with the appropriate books, you do come to have good friends, people that keep you company in this journey, uh, to use that cliche, and, uh, and people who actually give you strength to do all those things. So it's a good influence that you have from good friends. Now, here's something really neat that happens with spiritual reading. A lot of times when you're reading A Life of the Saint or a good book, it will happen that at that moment, at that precise moment, that exact thing is what you needed to read. And what's really neat about this, you know, there might be an anecdote of a saint or a saying of a saint or a, or a little story or some kind of a, uh, a word even that is like, this is exactly what I needed. Like it just hits right in the spot. and You'll never forget it. There are some moments that I had with spiritual reading like this where I can tell you exactly the words that I read and how impressive they were and they came at the right time. What's more amazing about this is that a lot of times this is a book that you have already read. This is something that you've read before, maybe hundreds of times, and it never hit you. And at that moment, in that precise moment, that's what hits you. That's exactly what you needed. Like you find some sense, some meaning in it that you didn't find before. And that's why there's nothing wrong with reading a book several times. And actually, sometimes it's good to, it's better to read a book several times or to read it every now and then. Now, spiritual reading is also very helpful when it comes to decision-making, to forming a, a Catholic criteria, a true mindset, a right way of thinking. As I said, when you are left to your own devices, there are errors that you have, there are uh, preconceptions or prejudices that you might have that actually make you make you know lead you to make the wrong decisions but when you see how the saints acted and how they reacted to this or that situation that builds up in you a character a true mindset to inform your decisions in the same way that they did to change your attitude in the same way that they did to change your temper even I'll give you an example. If you're a melancholic and you're a person that tends to not be confrontational or to be uh, rather shy or rather a coward when it comes to certain practices and you read about other saints that were perhaps in the same temper, but you read how strong they acted, 
or how, how strong they were in certain situations, that really changes your mind that you realize, whoa, this thing that I've been doing is actually not the right thing. I should be stronger or I should be more assertive about this or that. Um, when you read, for example, uh, St. Ignatius and the life of St. Ignatius and how he acted with his uh, disciples, uh, with his uh, friends, with his uh, subjects, that kind of gives you an idea and you say, well, okay, maybe I have been too soft. Maybe I should be more straightforward. You know, there is this uh, letter that I was reading yesterday, uh, not yesterday, this morning, about St. Ignatius and uh, there is this religious that complained to him and the religious said, well, basically the situation here is really bad. I'm not becoming a saint here. I'm not able to, to, to be good because all of my circumstances are so bad in here. And I was thinking as I was reading this letter of what my response would have been. I probably would have been a lot softer. I would have tried to sympathize with him and then try to kind of bring him to better thoughts. St. Ignatius goes straight forward, boom, and he says, no, you are bad there and you're not virtuous in there because of you, because you're being tepid, because you're not praying, because you're not reading, because you're not doing your spiritual practices. It's not because of the outside, it's because of you. And guess what? If I move you somewhere else, you will be just as bad in there. He says it with Spanish, more of an archaic language maybe, but that's basically what he says. So his mindset, when I read it, helps me accommodate myself and say, okay, I have been a little bit off, a little bit off balance in here. I need to move myself to where it's supposed to be because this is a saint and I am not. And the same would apply if you're a mother. And you read, for example, of how the saintly mothers treated their children, how they corrected them, how they pushed them to sanctity or to good things. And you might say to yourself, I have been off. I have to, become, I have to come here to the middle, to the right virtue. It applies for mothers, for children, for fathers, for everyone. And that is one of the benefits then that spiritual reading has, that it brings you to the right Catholic mindset, not only by some vague doctrine, but also by clear examples that actually apply straight to what you would have to do. So those are some of the benefits from spiritual reading. The last benefit that I will discuss is that spiritual reading allows us to correct the errors that we might have in our life. Now you might say, well, Father, you kind of mentioned that already. Yes, but let me delve into this a little bit more because here's what I'm trying to say. Many times we have errors that we're not aware of. It can happen, for example, that there is something very particular that I'm doing wrong whether it, or something that I think that is wrong. So it can be an error of faith or an error of morals. And I don't realize it because it might be too specific for it to come in a sermon. You know, it's something that maybe the priest is not able to preach about. Because I know I don't know that it's wrong, I'll never bring it up in confession. Or is something that is just not going to come up in a conversation with a normal person. And so I can live with these things. Granted, it's not going to be very serious or very grave. You know, most of the times those are quite evident. But it's still something that could be hindering my spiritual life or something that I could do better. And the only way I'll realize it is through spiritual reading. Through some example of the saints or through something that, that someone said in a doctrinal book. And there are many examples of this, you know, I can think of one in particular that caught my attention and is how I remember reading the life of Gemma Galgani and they mentioned in there that she was very modest 
even, for example, when she had to take care of the basic necessities of life. And that's something that you would never think of. It's something that you're not going to find in a book. You know, no one's going to tell you how to take care of the things that everybody has to take care of. But it's an area of modesty that perhaps we could practice and that we've never thought of. Uh, you know, when you read of saints that would never look at themselves in the mirror, or St. Alicia's Gonzaga that would not even look at his mother in the face. And even though that might be something that you don't consider necessarily that you have to, to practice, maybe it's not something that you have to imitate, but it really brings you to that mindset of saying, huh, I never thought of that. I never thought that I could be more careful in this aspect. Like this, there are many other topics where you see, for example, uh, uh, the saints that speak about the the nature of our Lord Jesus Christ, and you realize, wow, that this is something I, I didn't know. I can tell you for myself, there were opinions that I have when I when I that I had when I was younger, that only later, as I was reading spiritual books and and reading the Catechism, I realized, whoa, that was a heresy. What I used to think, maybe very they those might be very specific issues, but the point is. All these little things will only come up through spiritual reading. So that is another and the last benefit that we will mention. But before we continue, before we continue with our episode of uh, today, we will go to our quote from the saints. For a quote from the saints today, we have one from St. Francis de Sales. But I want to tell you, I've noticed that my pronunciation has been quite bad, probably, in this video. Uh, I'm recording very, very early in the morning because uh, it's harder and harder to find the time to do these things. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm hoping you will become better now. The quote from St. Francis is actually quite related to spiritual reading, and it says, Read daily from some good book attentively, as though you were reading letters sent by the saints from paradise to teach you the way thither and to encourage you to follow them. As I read this quote, I thought of the great uh, misfortune that we have here in America when most of the books that we have, most of the great books of spirituality are written in a different language. They're written either in Spanish or in Italian or in French. And I say that's a misfortune because in the translation, something is lost and it's always harder to read it when it's translated. So, for example, this quote, if you're an English speaker, a better English speaker than I am, you'll be able to maybe change it and, and, and rearrange it in such a way that it would become clearer. But he says, basically, read daily from some good book but read attentively and read it as if it was a letter from a saint that is writing to you from heaven, telling you, hey, this is what I did and, and you can do it too. And I'm encouraging you to follow my example. It goes back to what I was saying. Every, every book that is written by the saints or every life of a saint, we could consider it as such, as a letter that comes from heaven. And here I'll just make a, a quick point. All of these things are not just human works. And that is, that is a key element. There are some spiritual books that are lacking of unction, they say. 
meaning they are more human than divine. And that is because the writer maybe wasn't as, as saintly as he could have been, or, you know, he wasn't as inspired by the Holy Ghost as others. But the classics and the lives of the saints, you know, the big saints and all those things, the, the really good books are inspired by the Holy Ghost in a great degree. And that means that they are actually coming from God. And you could consider them, in a certain way, derived or inspired by the Word of God, as I mentioned in the previous episode. And so they are really letters from God, letters from the saints, letters from our family that are inspiring us to move forward. But he says something that I have mentioned in this episode. Read daily. Read daily, even if it's a little bit. Reading is like a spiritual food for you. And in the same way that, I don't know about you, I usually don't go one day without eating. Maybe I should. But usually we want to eat because you need it. You need it to move. You need it to be active. You need it to have energy. The same thing, the exact same thing applies in a spiritual life. You need spiritual food. And that would be the Holy Eucharist, of course. But it's also spiritual reading and prayer, obviously. But spiritual reading is a big part of it. It's a big part of your spiritual food. Now, that will be the quote from the saints for today. And now we're going to go to the rest of the episode. And particularly to the kind of reading that is necessary for us. Now, what are the three kinds of reading necessary? This to me is actually probably the most interesting part of this show. This is a part that I really want to share with people. I don't think you've ever heard this before. And, and I think this is incredibly important. Because sometimes you'll ask someone, so are you doing spiritual reading? Yes. What, what are you reading right now? Well, I'm reading The Naked Communist. Okay. Or I'm reading uh, What's Wrong with Vatican II? Okay. Or, you know, something of the sort. And people think that if you're reading something that is related to religion, that's spiritual reading and that counts. Well, not at all. Uh, that's You can do reading that is related to spiritual matters. It can be a reading for study, for example, but that is not spiritual reading. It's not something that is directly aimed at improving your soul, as I mentioned in our introductory episodes. There are three kinds of spiritual reading that you need to do, and we will explain each one of them. The first one is doctrinal, spiritual doctrine. The second one would be lives of the saints. And the third one would be sacred scripture. I'm leaving entirely aside anything that has to do with the study of doctrine, with the study of uh, the catechism or those things. Those are necessary too, they are good too, but I'm not counting them as spiritual reading right now. Let's go to the first one, spiritual doctrine books. What do I mean by that? These are books that are written by the saints or saintly people with the purpose of personal sanctification, with the purpose of spiritual instruction. What kind of books am I talking about? The spiritual compact, uh, the introduction to the spiritual life, the imitation of Christ or Kempis, whatever you want to call it, the conferences of St. Francis de Sales, uh, the lives of St. Louis of Granada, uh, or many other. Excuse me, he wasn't a saint, of Louis of Granada. Now, not all books, as I said, not all books of religion are in this Catholic category. Some are devoted to study or theology, and, and those should not be considered here. You can read them, but they don't feed your soul. These books that I'm talking about are the books that are 
basically doing what I'm trying to do here with this uh, with these videos. They're trying to instruct you on how to live your spiritual life. And I will lay, I will leave a mention about the unction that they need to have, you know, the selection that you need to do. Because there are tons of books out there, tons of them. And that sometimes can be discouraging for you. Because you, you, you see all these books and you go like, where, which one should I read? And I think it's very, very important for priests, for religious, for lay people to know and to emphasize the books that are classics, the books that have been proved by time. Because there are books that are here and there, but you know nobody knows about them or they have been here for a few years or whatever. But there are other books that have been here for hundreds of years that other saints have used them that many people have used them and benefit from them. And so those are the books that you need to know. The other ones are good too, but read the other ones first. Now let's go to the second category, which would be Lives of the Saints. Hey, I said category in the right way. Okay. Lives of the Saints. Now, when you read the Life of the Saints, you know, usually you tell people, uh, have you been reading Lives of the Saints? Well, yeah, I'm reading the Lives of the Saints by Butler. And I don't want to criticize... Butler, I mean, that's a great work. It's very, very good. It's amazing, actually. I, I find it hard to read. Maybe it's just me, but it's, it's very, very dry. The lives of Butler are more of a catalog, almost, where they're telling you this happened and this happened and this happened. It's a historical, a historical narration of the saints, which is very useful if you know how to read between the lines. But for the lives of the saints, you need something that is appealing to you that is entertaining to you, that when you read it, you really get into the book. Are there many books like that? I'll be honest. Unfortunately, no. There are some lives of the saints that are, read uh, are written as novels. And they're very entertaining, yes. But it's kind of hard to find, uh, you know, the spirituality of it, the unction in there. There are other books of the saints that are written poorly, that are written in a very dry manner or in a very old English, and it's just very, very hard to read them. So it's important to have a few, at least, that are good, that are entertaining, that are enticing, and that not only, not only that, they are edifying. Now here I want to dwell a little bit on that term that I've used. They have to have unction. I mentioned that before. They, that means that they have to be inspired they have to have more of the action of the Holy Ghost in them. And I said that I wanted to dwell in this because this is the big difference between some, good and some books and others. There are books that have unction, meaning that they are very, very good for your soul. And that least we ought to have. And those are the books that you ought to read, whether it be Lives of the Saints or, or Spiritual Doctrine. Now, here you might say, Father, okay, this sounds very good. How on earth am I going to know which books to read? Because I, what are you asking me to read two hundred books and then say, okay, these are the good ones, so this one, these ones, I'm, I'll read from now on. So which books should I read? Well, for that we are working on a list that we will put on the Catholic Wire website of those books that are proven by time, the books that are the classics. I'll accept suggestions from people for that list, and I will put some in there. But I don't want to have a book of three, uh, a list of three hundred books. I want to have a very, very small list, a very short list, something that you can read in your life of books that you ought to read, you know, kind of like required reading for someone that wants to improve in spiritual life and books that are proven by time. 
if you want to suggest a book for here, and I know there will be many, the conditions are, it has to be proven by time, you must have read the whole book, don't give me like, oh, I read this page and it's really good, put this book in there, no. You have to have read the whole book, and I'll have to have more than one person suggesting it to me. If I get one person suggesting it to me, I might not put it there. If there is a book that many people tell me, hey, you've missed this one, I'll put it there. But I think that list is going to be very useful, and hopefully we can try to make those books available one way or another also in the website. Now let's go to the third category of the books that we ought to read, which is the most important, obviously, and that would be sacred scripture according to the mind of the church. Now, not all sacred scripture is necessary for you to read. Uh, there are many books that you can go all your life without reading. Uh, but we should certainly avail ourselves from reading the Old Testament, excuse me, the New Testament, the Gospels, the letters of St. Paul, all, all the epistles from the Apostles. And also from the, from the Old Testament, there are certain books that are very, very useful. Genesis, the first book. Exodus, the, the deliverance of the Hebrews from Egypt. The Psalms are incredibly useful for your spiritual life. The Book of Kings I find very useful as well. The Maccabees, the, the, the books of wisdom, Ecclesiastes, all of those. Uh, when you read books on the Bible, uh, something that we need to mention here is that you have to have a special attitude. The Bible is not just any book that you can grab and read and go sit down in your table with your cup of coffee and, you know, be eating something while you're reading the Bible. It's not just a random book. This is the Word of God. So it, even in the way that you sit, in the way that you read it, in the attitude that you have when you read it, you need to have certain dispositions. So I'll make a few brief remarks. Uh, we're, we're going to cover this in a separate episode, but I'll make a few remarks that I hope might be helpful. The first one is, you want to read the sacred scripture always attentively and, and devoutly, meaning with respect. Second, you always must read a Catholic version of the Bible. It is not allowed for Catholics to read other versions of the Bible. It's not that we're afraid of anything that they might say because it's, it's true, but rather because we know that many versions of the Bible are changed and they are not accurate. And so you have to read an approved Catholic version. For that, you can reach out to us. We can try to let you know which ones are approved. The other thing is, it should have a commentary. You should not just read the Bible without the commentary. You should read the commentary that they have. The Haydock Bible, I find to be in English the most complete in regards to commentary and the most uh, accessible in regards to how easy it is to read with the commentary. And finally, and this is the most important point, I would talk to the priest and ask, which books are good for me to read, and if there is any difficulty or even question or something that you realize, okay, this part I'm not having clear, a clear knowledge of what it means, or this part I'm doubtful of what it's supposed to give me or to my soul or what, what I'm supposed to get out of this particular book, and for that you need to go to the priest and ask. This is crucial to me. I would never recommend to anyone to read the Bible without having the advice of the priest. Everyone who reads the Bible should have, should have recourse to a priest to get advice. That is how the church wants us to read it. Because there are many parts in the Bible that are obscure and that that can be misinterpreted. 
there are books that are not good for us to read that they, or for some people it might not be good to read because they won't understand them one of them for example is the canticle of canticles it's a beautiful book very spiritual if you know what it means but if you don't know what it means you can totally misinterpret it totally and so that is a very very important point to have recourse to the advice of a priest so now that we've covered the benefits and and what books we ought to read we will go ahead and talk about the attitude that we have to have when we're reading actually before we go into the next point we're going to cover our quote from scripture today In our quote from today, we read from Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians, is chapter 3. And I'm going to read several verses, but the verse that I'm bringing, you to you, bringing to you is verse 6. But we'll begin with verse 5. St. Paul says, Not that we are sufficient to think anything of ourselves, as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also had made us fit ministers of the New Testament, not in the letter, but in the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit quickeneth, which you could also translate as vivifies or gives life. So the quote is this, The letter killeth, but the Spirit vivifies, quickeneth, it gives life. Now we begin by saying that we are not sufficient to think anything of ourselves, which actually fits a lot with what I have been saying. By myself, I'm not able to think anything good. Obviously, St. Paul here is talking about grace. He's saying, even a good thought you cannot have without grace. You need the grace of God, even to have a good thought, even to make a good decision. It works with your own uh, making, with your own decision as well, but you need the grace of God for every little thing, every good thing that you want to do. But it can, we can apply it, uh, translating it, you could say, to our spiritual reading. We can apply it in that we are not sufficient of ourselves to come up with the ideas that we need to have, to come up with all the considerations that we need to have re re related to our faith. So we need the help of others. We need the help from God that comes to us through His instruments, through the saints, through Holy Scripture, through the Church, through the teachings of the popes as well. But then he says, you know, the famous quote that everybody knows, the letter killeth, but the spirit quickeneth, the spirit vivifies. And that brings us to what we have been discussing, that just the letter, just knowledge, so to speak, that kills, that doesn't give life, not life of grace anyway. Because usually, knowledge without charity, knowledge without humility, knowledge without obedience to the church, kills because it gives pride and that's the case with satan satan knows more than anybody else could know here in this world but yet he's dead spiritually because his wisdom is filled with pride is useless to him and so that applies to us as well if we learn a lot and if we know a lot of books and we know a lot of quotes and we know the code of canon law and we know moral theology but we don't have charity and we don't have obedience to the church and we don't have, most importantly, humility, then that's all going to contribute for our death, our spiritual death. It is the spirit, meaning charity, the charity of God, humility and obedience to the church that gives us life. And that's the kind of knowledge that we want to have. The knowledge 
that translate into practice. That is our quote from scripture for today. And we're going to finish this episode by going into what and how we should read for praying. And well, actually, as I read my, my notes, I've basically mentioned everything that I was going to mention right now. So we will finish the episode and we will just conclude very quickly with a summary of what we have been talking about. The first one is spiritual reading is necessary. We need to do it daily. We need to do it uh, with good books that have been approved by time and usage, prefer preferably. Also, you know that the benefits that come from spiritual reading is that you're going to get good friends. You're going to get a good influence. You're going to have your life, your faith become more alive, more present to you in ways that are beyond your own thought, beyond your own way of thinking, in ways that are different and that are going to become more present. Now, we will just finish on how you have to read for praying. And, and again, as I've mentioned before this, if you find a book that is good for praying, it shouldn't be a book that goes a lot into doctrine. It should go into particular points that you're meditating about. If you're meditating on hell, that book should speak about hell. If you're meditating on the Passion of Our Lord, that's a book that should think about the Passion of Our Lord. Not everyone can meditate, for example, with the Imitation of Christ. It's hard to meditate with a book like The Spiritual Combat, because these books are telling you what to do. But they're not telling you anything about this particular mystery or that particular truth of our faith. So when you're using a book for meditating, it should be a book that speaks about our Lord Jesus Christ, or a book that speaks about His life, or about our Blessed Mother, or a book that speaks again about hell or heaven or the truths of the faith. And when you do that, the best thing would be to take the book and read a little bit of it beforehand, say, for example, the night before, and say, okay, this is what I'm going to read, this is what I'm going to pray about, these are the good uh, sentences that I find are going to be useful for me, hopefully. And so the next day when you go to pray, you open the book and you read what you have already read. But now you go to that sentence and you say, you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to think of this. I'm going to meditate on this topic. If it were to happen that you go to pray and you don't need to open the book because these ideas are already in your head and they're very powerful and you're already having a train of thought, then go with that. Don't open the book. But you should not read like three pages for each time that you're meditating. It's just read and go to the points that are useful and stick to that. And if your train of thought is taking you somewhere totally different than what the book is talking about, no worries. Just go there and, and talk, think about those things and pray to God about all those things. And then you will come back to the book when you need it. And that's how we should use it. That's how, excuse me, we should use it. Also, to summarize our, our episode today, then, there are three kinds of spiritual books that you should have. Spiritual doctrine, lives of the saints, and, and sacred scripture. How often should you read and how long should you read? In the monastery, we would read at least 30 minutes every day. 30 minutes, and they would tell us you have to read a little bit of a spiritual book and a little bit of lives of the saints. And every day you have to read at least one chapter of the sacred scripture. We would read one chapter of the Old Testament and one of the New Testament. To be realistic, I don't think most people are going to have, have time to do that. But if you can read at least one chapter of the Bible every day, and if you can read every day at least one Life of the Saints or the doctrinal book, maybe one day each or 15 minutes of each, but at least read 
30 minutes if you're serious about your spiritual life. If you're not able to do all those things, at the very least read 15 minutes every day, even if you're not serious about your spiritual life. <laughs> or rather, if you just want to save your soul and you're not thinking about becoming a saint, you have to read at least 15 minutes a day. But if you're seriously striving to do mental prayer, to meditate, to grow in holiness, which we all should be, then you need to read, I think, at least 30 minutes every day. So we will leave this episode with that. And questions and comments are welcome. I know this was a long one. We'll maybe split it. But uh, I think spiritual reading is very useful. And I, I'm really looking forward to that list. And we will try to put the link here below this episode. And you'll see it also in the section of the spiritual life back in the page of the Catholic Wire. This is your host, Father Carlos Cepeda, for The Spiritual Life. And you are watching or listening to The Catholic Wire. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org.